The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. This is Dave Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. Will, a lot of feedback on my magpie issue. A lot of people uh-huh. fascinated okay. by this story. It's, it's caught the imagination of the nation and a lot, a lot of things competing with the public's attention. But I feel like this uh, magpie story is really, it's blown the lid. <laughs> you know what? And the thing is, there's a lot of nuance to it for an issue that we initially thought was black and white. Thank you very nah. much. Anyway, I, I've been Will Anderson. He's been Charlie Clawson. Go to Patreon. Well, it's fair to say, Will, that the TOEFOP listeners are in a flap. Mm. Okay. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> yeah. So let me let me beak from the heart. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> and regurgitate. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is from Marion, who said, uh, having listened to last week's episode, um, we are writing to tell you how sweeping magpies were dealt with in the 1980s in Perth. At our primary school, there was a particular defensive, particularly defensive Maggie on the mm-hmm. girls' oval. It was named the girls' oval as it was the smaller of the school's two ovals, which should give you some idea how PC things were back there and how this story is to go. I seem to have vague memories of that at my primary school. I don't remember. We didn't have ovals because it was primary school, but I remember there was a girls' playground and a boys' playground, and I don't think it was a gender it was one was bigger and one was smaller, and the boys had the bigger one, the girls had the smaller one. That 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 tracks. Was that similar for you? I I mean, I remember growing up, going to golf courses and stuff, and realizing that they had like ladies' tees and men's tees. You know, so there was a place where, and I remember at primary school and at senior school, I remember was yours a co-ed school? Yeah, would, as, yeah. and there was a separation of where the boys and the girls would have. No, I don't think there was. I, I honestly don't believe there was like a girls' oval and a boys' oval. I just think that the girls were more likely to be somewhere like playing elastics or, you know, like, yeah. you know, gathering in, like, so they weren't necessarily out, out on the big football oval playing football or whatever. What was the big game that wasn't like footy? Like, was it Brandy? Like, what was the one that you, because Brandy in my primary school was huge. There was one that, uh, well, uh, Brandy or Brandings, depending on uh, where you grew up. Up. Yeah, with a tennis ball. Yeah, with a tennis ball or any item really that you could throw at somebody. Anything. Yeah. So I don't know how the how the how it worked in your school, but it started mm-hmm. off. So just say there was like thirty kids. So one kid would start with a ball, and you'd be mm-hmm. all contained in the quadrangle, and that guy would try and hit someone, brand them with a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. And if that person got hit, it was like a zombie. They got converted. Suddenly there was two peoples with the ball, and they could pass the ball to each other, and then 
that's how the game would unfold is like as more and more people got branded it came down to the few survivors who could like escape the the growing hordes of the branders um and the only defense you had against the about someone throwing a ball if you punched the ball away like you uh-huh. deflected yep. it with your fist you you were still alive and you could keep going uh-huh. um and i remember me and my friend took it could you catch the ball or just, you just had to punch it away you could catch it you could catch mm. it yeah you could also catch it or punch it away and how did you know who had been branded and who was part of this like emerging posse of people versus those who hadn't been branded because they would get hit yeah but then going onwards how were you identifying the people who had been branded versus the ones who still hadn't been branded? Like, did you remove an item of clothing, or like, how did you know? No, I just think I just think you we just knew. just knew because the one because <laughs> just well, the because way they carried the, the themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, because the, the branders would move in a coordinated fashion yeah. because I think they had to pass right. the ball like volleyball, uh, like netball style, run to the other. Join us, yeah. Join us, and the brandees mm. were just running, and because you, it wasn't yeah. like you could hide anywhere. It was just like a quadrangle, so you're just trying to dodge and weave. And me and my friend took it so seriously. We each wore because he was yeah. I'm left handed, he was right handed. So yeah. we got cricket gloves, and so yeah. I'd wear one on my left, and he'd wear one on his right, and we'd yeah. use it to punch the balls I away mean, and stuff. I'm not sure we should rush by the fact that you and your friend had matching cricket gloves that you used for brandy. No, they weren't matching. It was one. It was one set of gloves that we would split. Yeah, and you were the left handed, and he was the right hand. It was like one of those yeah. "You're my best friend" necklaces that you split in half, and each of you has the love heart. Hundred <laughs> percent. Now, would you guys team up? Like, or would you then go your own way? So, like, was oh, this yeah, like no. a vault? Was this a Voltron style situation where, like, the two of you would combine your powers? So you had like a left hand and a right hand in unison, or were you nah. in different places completely? I think in in classic wrestling, yeah. like Royal Rumble yeah. style, when it was advantageous, yeah. you'd be teammates. Yeah. But when it was down to you and him, each man for himself, every kid for himself. And I also remember. Do you remember those cricket gloves where the padding, so for you know overseas listeners? Yeah, was spiky. Yes. They had the rubber spikes yes. on them. So they kind of looked like- had rubber spikes on yeah, them. Yeah, it was like- Little rubber spikes. <laughs> it looked like some sort of like mace or some medieval torture device that they'd made into cricket gloves. I think in the Road Warrior, the Mad Max 2, I think one of the like one of the costumes that one of the people's wearing is these like rubber- Because it does look like Fisher-Price apocalypse <laughs> wear. It's like a fetish, right. you know, spiky rubber spikes all over a glove. I mean, it does feel like somebody down at the cricket factory just got bored with making things that were all white and very practical practical and was just like fuck this i am gonna make at least one of these feel like a sex toy yeah that's right don't tell her versace just turns up she's decided she's gonna do the new range of gloves (laughs) the gloves now have spikes rubber spikes that's what i'm seeing rubber it's based on it comes in with an old school like torture device and says i just want it based on this yeah so what when did they so now it's just the fat sausages right the padded sausages yeah it's padding. But did it, it, it start off sausages, go to spikes, then back to sausages? Uh, well, I remember there was a time where there were both spikes and sausages available. That's what I do know. And did they go to the national level, like mm. with the Australian cricket team wearing spikes? Was there anyone who wore spiky rubber gloves in the Australian cricket team? Good question. One that we can't answer, but Adam Zwa, who is a mutual friend of ours, so you can hear episodes of uh, Faux Fop with Adam Zwa. I'm going to text yeah, him. Yeah, can you text him actually, right I'm now? I'm going to call him. Yeah, actually, you know what? Should I call yeah, him? Yeah, let's call him. Like, what a great thing to call somebody about. Out randomly out of the blue on at oh. about lunchtime on a Saturday. So, oh, actually, oh, I don't know if this will go through. Okay, well, why don't you just call him regardless and like you know see if he will right. give us the answer and you can relay 
uh, what the answer okay. is if we if we can't hear it. All right. Okay. Let me just try him now. I did see him last night. Watch the footy together. So I know he's around. Um. Here we go. Can you hear that or not? I can. You can. Okay. Hey, mate. Oh, yeah. Hey, mate. It's uh, Charlie, obviously. Um, I've just got you yeah. live on TOEFOP. I hope that's okay. Um, yeah. Will, and, yeah. Will and I wanted to uh, speak to you as our resident cricket expert. Um, we're having a discussion about cricket gloves. Um, and you remember the old uh, cricket gloves that had the rubber spikes on them? Yeah. Were they ever used at an international level? Yeah, yeah. They were using the body line theory. Were they? They're that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there was no – it didn't go from like padded sort of sausage padding to spikes back to sausage. It started off as the rubber spikes, then it went to sausage. I, I can't answer that. I, I think that maybe the sausage and and spikes were kind of going in tandem with each other. Um, right. I think that maybe sausage might have been the earliest, but then spikes were the kind of newfangled version. Um, like you know, twenties and thirties. I remember Stan McCabe wore the wore the spike gloves. Right. Um, so when you that- when you reenacted the body line thing that you did for that documentary where you had um, Brett Lee bowl at you, and were you wearing the rubber spikes? Yes. Right. <laughs> yep. And were they modern rubber spikes or authentic? Like nineteen? 19- no, they were authentic. Everything I had on was like authentic. They had sourced it like uh, from some from museums and and stuff. <laughs> the only modern thing I had on was my box. Right. That was that was a deal breaker. Um, <laughs> can can Adam he, Adam can you hear me if I speak? I can. I oh, can. hello, oh, mate. I will. Very well, thank you. Yeah, so I thought that they coexisted as well, but then I thought we had to go to an expert who might actually know if they'd been used at the international level. Is there? Any chance, can you foresee in this, like, you know, world of cricket that we now have, could somebody bring back those rubber spikes as a look? Would there be any batsman who was brave enough? Like, they'd still be legal, right? You'd still be able to play in them, right? Yeah, yeah. You can play in whatever you want. But, uh, yeah, it, you, you're, you're, fin- you're likely to break a finger, you know. I uh, The only person I know who would wear rubber spikes if, if like, is a person who's Who's trying to do it for like alpha reasons, you know? And it's like <laughs> some kind of intimidation, you think? Yeah, and he came in with like because he thought we're all below him or beneath him. Sorry. Yeah, and um, he he came in without pads or gloves to bat, and and Stephen Curry was bowling and he hit Stephen Curry for five. So hang on, I think I think he dropped out for a sec, Adam. Who is this person? Oh, so Wayne Carey came in, <laughs> um, no, no pads, no pads or gloves. Yeah. Or box, and Steve Curry was bowling little off spinners. Yeah, and he hit five sixes and one over. Right, <laughs> and then the next bowler they had was a guy from South Australia who was like a first change bowler for South Australia, and he bowled about one thirty five. You right. know, it was pretty quick. It was a left armour, and Kerry wore the first one in the body, but he and but he refused to go into the go back to the pavilion and get padded up because that would actually demote his alpha status. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you can imagine him kind of wearing something just to, just to say, I'm not scared of you. Well, hang on. So, Adam, are you saying that Wayne Carey, despite all available evidence, <laughs> will argue something to the contrary? 
Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, not, he's not a great guy. Well, that's actually, I think, when you dropped out before, it was actually just his name being redacted from this podcast. So I think that's, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, Adam. We appreciate that very much, mate. All right. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Okay. So that's um, – that's, I mean, it makes sense. I think the reason why the rubber spikes work is so you can bend your fingers mm. easily because it's not like a solid oh, yeah. chunk of padding. Okay. So that, that – That's the advantage. What, what yeah. I'm wondering is why in the 1980s mm. <laughs> I had a pair of cricket gloves that had the rubber spikes on them. I mean, that's a long time – even in the 80s, it was a long time from body line. Like, surely my family hadn't held onto those gloves since like the, the, the 30s. When was body line? The 30s? I believe, though. No, no, no. People were still wearing them around at cricket when I was playing cricket when I was growing okay. up. So right. I think that you've actually identified what the issue is, which is that there was a time where the sausage technology was the sausages were pretty stiff sausages. Right, cumbersome, yeah. cumbersome. So, like the idea that you wouldn't be able to grip your 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 instrument of work properly. Like you know, maybe there was an advantage to saying, you know, it, it, maybe there were some batsmen who were like, yes, I know it doesn't offer the same protection, but I just like the the feel of it in my hands. I don't want to raw dog it. I don't want to go out there with no <laughs> gloves on, but I need something that is like ribbed for my protection. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever? Um, uh, I remember because I was not a very good cricketer. I think I was good at the like the lower levels. I think I won the batting award in the D's or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I remember the first time I played a competitive game. I would have been like twelve or something, and walking out to the crease and been handed a box. Like no one had actually thought to talk me through mm-hmm. the box and and how to put it on. And I didn't know that you're meant to put it inside your undies. Like mm-hmm. I, I put it between my undies and my cricket pants. Mm-hmm. And so it obviously was not being held in place. It was not like – and I remember like after I went for my first run, the fly – because the, um, the box is so close to my fly, it burst the, my fly open, like split the fly open. <laughs> and so I, I, had to, I had to bat the rest of the – then the umpire came over and, and like advised me. So I was allowed uh-huh. to leave the pitch uh-huh. and, and put the – but then – because I was wearing red undies, <laughs> I had my cricket pants and this bulging, like my bulging red penis, <laughs> like like, a, like some like sort a of animal, oh, but like coming bowl, but like like a nature documentary. That's what you would have looked like. You would have looked like some weird <laughs> animal in nature that has like a bulging red crotch, <laughs> engorged my engorged crotch. So I, okay, um, he's I I. Um, must admit when it came to like box technology, I might have talked about this on the podcast before because this has been the bane of my existence for a very long time. There's a particular advertisement that runs on Australian TV for a glasses company. I think it's Specsavers. And um, the premise of this ad is it's someone who's about to walk out to play a game of cricket and they, on the table, go to grab their protective device, their box to put over their genitals to slide down their pants. And instead, Charlie... From the uh, snack buffet that has been provided, they grab half an avocado and they put that half an <laughs> avocado down the front of their pants and then like the tagline is should have gone to Specsavers, right? It's very, very funny, funny stuff. Now, that ad annoys me for so many fucking reasons, but the major one being who the fuck is putting their box 
on a table with the snacks. That is the problem that <laughs> I have disgusting. with this ad. It's, it's, a, it's a faulty premise. This guy is a scumbag, yeah. and I don't care that he's got an avocado at his pants. Where so I haven't seen the ad. So tell me, like, is it mm. is the sna- are the snacks set up on the side of a, of the cricket oval? So it's like, well, yeah. So it's like I set set up for like tea. Who takes avocado to the cricket? Well, no, this isn't like somebody's like watching the cricket and the like th- that's their snacks. This is more like I imagine you're playing oh. in a cricket competition and you know you have like lunch or afternoon mm. tea like provided as part. Yeah, everybody brings a plate. Yeah. It's kind of that setup. I believe like it's an outdoor trestle table right. style situation. It's near where the guy's getting ready to go into bat and he's put his box up with all the snacks and the foods and the finger sandwiches and then he's mistakenly grabbed an avocado. Uh, Secondly, I still – an avocado is not so similar to a protective device that you would wear to protect your genitals in cricket that you would make that mistake for more than one second. Like in the premise of this ad, he goes out to bat. (laughs) Like you would – you'd immediately know that you'd picked up an avocado – and, and not your protective device. Why is it? Have you ever wondered when you're watching American like college sports, you know, the sports in yeah. American college films and stuff, that they wear jock straps, yeah. like their boxes yeah. are attached to jock straps? Is that what a jock strap is? It's a protector with an elastic yeah. band around it? Yeah. Is, am I getting mm. that right? Yeah, but isn't that for your cup? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. That's what they call, we call it a they box. Call it a they cup. call it a cup, yeah. right? So how come we in Australia we we just give you the cup? We don't get you don't get the strap part. Should we look this up? Mm. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I'm curious right. to know. So if I write, so I what write is the what American is the question we're trying to ask? What is a jock strap? You, well, you no? you you write what is a jock strap, and I'll say why don't we use jock straps in Australia? What is <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I promise, <laughs> Marion, we're going to get back to your letter in a sec because it is interesting. Oh, we're doing letters? I forgot we were doing no, letters. No, no, we started with like uh, the boys, girls, and the boys yeah. over and girls over. But we'll get back to it. But this, I'm sorry, this has caught my mm-hmm. imagination. What is a jock strap? Okay. Oh, no, a jock strap doesn't have a cup in it. A jock strap is. Mm-hmm. All right, do you want to know what the <laughs> literal definition is? <laughs> a jock strap. Yes, please. Um, also known as a strap, cup, groin guard, pelvic protector. Or athletic supporter is an undergarment for protecting the testes and penis and vulva during contact sports or other vigorous physical activities. This article chiefly deals with the genital protective sports gear designed for the male body, colloquially known as a jock. So a jock strap consists of a waistband with a support pouch for the genitalia and two elastic straps affixed to the base of the pouch to the left and the right side of the waistbands. Okay, so we all know what that looks like. So the bum's exposed. Yes. You've got a couple straps on, around the thighs, big strap around the waist, and then the front looks like you know just your normal jocks. Um, the pouch in some varieties can be fitted with a pocket to hold an abdominal guard, which is what Australians we would call a box. It says here right. on Wikipedia, known as a cup or a box, to protect the testicles or and or penis from injury. <laughs> and or penis <laughs> is a great name for a bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's an endor penis. Um, the Jill strap, uh, aka the Jill, is a female equivalent jock strap designed to, tech, to protect the vulva from getting struck. Okay, so this answers our question. So yes, this is what American, you know, I imagine professional, but you know, mainly high school athletes wear to protect themselves. We were never offered this in Australia. Like you had to just rely on having good, strong underpants. That could hold a box, but then you look at this, and this is like custom designed, so it's a bit roomier. It it straps around like it makes more sense. I mean, it's ugly as fuck, and I can't believe I'm looking at this. Yeah, thing. but it's more complicated, and 
Yeah. And here's what I will say. I was absolutely wrong, by the way, because uh, I found an article that says that uh, there are jock straps purchased in Australia, oh. quite a lot of them, and uh, they are purchased, of course, uh, not oh, for no. uh, people to play sport with, but they are purchased. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's not It's not okay. a no-no. <laughs> It's fine. It's not a no-no. I mean, for some people, it's a no-no, but I think for most modern people, it's not a no-no. No, the um, uh, the queer community—they're uh, quite popular in the queer community. Oh, yeah. the jockstrap for, oh, for yeah. other reasons. So, yeah, so that—that's yes. chapter six of the Wikipedia right. entry: the gay sub- subculture mm-hmm. fetish. I think Kim Kardashian has just posted uh, posted posed for. Um, the cover of Interview Magazine, and she's wearing a jockstrap. Oh, is she? Um, I know her bum's hanging out of her pants. Like somebody yeah. has like taken a photo mid her getting ready for that photo shoot, and they're just like, like that. This is an interesting world that we live in now, isn't it? Where it's like we're going to interview this like very successful businesswoman about her career, but also and lawyer, yeah, and lawyer, human rights lawyer, but also here's her bum. It's hanging out yes. the back of her yeah. pants in our shot on the cover. It's just it's it's idiocracy. Uh, the number one film in idiocracy is a film called Ass, and it's just three hours of an ass on screen. <laughs> and it is a blockbuster. Uh, so the jockstrap. Here's a bit of a, a bit of trivia about it. So they started using that term in, 19, in 1891, a contraction of a jockey mm-hmm. strap that was first designed by bicycle riding messengers and delivery oh, yeah. men, which makes sense as someone who's recently started riding again. That area, like your perineum, yep. your bloody testes, <laughs> like it's the worst. Like you need to lift and separate because the, the longer that stuff sits on a bike seat, the longer you pedal, it's, it's absolutely painful. Have you considered the padded pant? Uh, the um, spike pants, like Colette, ring my bell. No. Oh, well, I mean, yes, there are bike pants, but you can now get, <laughs> I believe, all sorts of padded like bike riding stuff that oh. isn't your traditional bike pants. Like it's actually ah. made for – you know, to protect. That's for cyclists, yeah. though. But I, but yeah, what no, are you I'm not, doing? I'm not riding okay, far enough. All right, just riding to riding around, riding around town and dodging <laughs> neighbors. I mean, it's still enough that I would like protection for that part of my body. Maybe like a comfier seat. You can get like a. Do you have a padded seat? Um. Yeah. Well, not if it's padded. It's like it's just a normal seat. Like it's rubber. Soft yeah. Rubber. So, but it's not like it doesn't it's have any the- like technology that makes it feel like they've like added some sort of softness to it to protect. Is there like a a rivet or a divot no. or something in I the mean, middle? You think I should put like a like sheep's a sheep like wool <laughs> like I mean, like a cab driver I, just put like those beads. I, on I would seat. maybe not put beads. beads. I mean. <laughs> I think firstly yeah. they're going to attract they're going to attract more birds, so that's not going to help. <laughs> These wooden beads. Um, look, I don't feel any more comfortable. My balls have never been so relaxed. <laughs> no, but you're going to get a ball. Massage. You're going to get like ball bag caught between the beads. That's not like that's a terrible idea. <laughs> do you know what I mean like you don't want to be like rubbing you? Yeah. No, that's no good. And sheepskin would be. I mean, sheep's wool would be no good because. Um, uh, you just get sweaty, you get real, and the last thing you want is bloody mm, chafing down there. Yeah. Okay, uh, just a bit of a trivia, Will, um, uh, that I found about the okay. jockstrap. Uh, so it was invented in the mid-'80s, mm. uh, mainly for, for bicycle riders and couriers and so forth. The jockstrap was influential in early 20th century medicine with the invention of the Heidelberg electric belt, okay. a low-voltage power jockstrap. Mm, a what? That claimed... This sounds like fucking something I'd try. <laughs> the claim to cure kidney disorders, insomnia, and erectile dysfunction, amongst other ailments. 100% you would try that. 
You'd be like, if it told you it burned like calories at three times the normal rate, you would absolutely try that. I'd plug myself straight in that. And uh, while you're at it, just take a look at the old the old Johnson. <laughs> so make, yeah. sure that's a, make sure he's standing to attention when he should be. The old fella. <laughs> Today's jock straps are still worn in the US by adolescent and adult men for uh. sports, weightlifting, and medical purposes and for recovery from surgery. I still don't understand why it never caught on in like – professionally in Australia like I, I never once in any kind of change room or even gymnasium have I ever seen anyone wearing a jock strap and it's just strange right like I've seen a, like a lot of guys who lift weights at my gym and not one of them I've ever seen wear, wearing a, a jock strap in fact I think I'd be weird well here's an article it's an American article but it feels like they're maybe not as popular in America either because the articles uh, it's I- from Men's Health Magazine you're familiar with Men's Health Magazine. Uh, so uh, this is uh, this was published on December 24th, some good Christmas content, uh, 2015. Whatever happened to jock straps? <laughs> Whatever. What did happen to jock straps? Hmm. Remember, dro- remember jock straps? <laughs> or more specifically, remember when guys used to wear jock straps? I vividly remember grim warnings from my high school gym teachers who lectured us on exactly what would happen if we didn't wear them. This is great because he's going to run through a little bit of the best case scenario, we'd never be able to have children. We'd twist the wrong way and that's it. Our reproductive organs would be mangled beyond repair. Hang on. And (laughs) Why? All right, I'm sure he's going to get to it. (laughs) And that was if we were lucky. Worst case, we'd suffer testicular trauma. There'd be ruptures, fractures, contusions, torsions. You can't there fracture was- your testicles. That I'm pretty sure of. There's no bone in there. <laughs> there was no end to the horrible things that could happen to our nuts during a friendly game of pickleball. What's pickleball? Um, <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> None of these words are making. All right, you get going. I'm going to Google pickleball. <laughs> Okay, good. Um, I haven't put on a jock strap since sentences like I'm worried about tomorrow's algebra tests. And I sincerely think that dry humping my girlfriend during a slow dance at prom sounds like a meaningful relationship milestone were things I thought about regularly. Uh, However, that is until uh, this new compression jock and cup system sent me a – okay, so he he basically got sent a new new freebie, right? Uh, At first – I left it on my desk like a perverse j- tip jar. I even briefly used it as a makeshift container for pens and put post-it notes in it. Okay, can I ask a question? If you work yeah. in that office, yeah. like is that considered some kind of inappropriate behavior to have a genital protector on your desk? Like is it sort of if there are uh, if there are women in, in the office who feel uncomfortable mm. about that? Yeah. I mean, is it? Like if it was a vulva protector, mm. Uh-huh. Are you in your well within your rights to say, "Hey, look, I was going past Susan's desk, and I know yeah. she loves playing netball or whatever." Uh, but that Volvo like, projector—it's just inappropriate. Well, I mean, I get maybe more like I went past Susan's desk and I asked to get like a paperclip, and she like has a bra full of paperclips just like <laughs> hanging off her. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so um, I'd like to tell you what they look like to, to, to know if that is appropriate, but unfortunately, image no longer available. There you go. So, um, he, 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 so he, I decided to strap it on for the Men's Health Monday morning editorial meeting. There's something weirdly exhilarating about going to work wearing the kind of testicular protection usually reserved for <laughs> MMA athletes <laughs> because when your balls are that ensconced, you know without a shadow of a doubt that the day won't end with you being rushed to the emergency room with internal scrotal bleeding. 
Of course, you could say that most days, especially if your job like mine involves long periods of typing on a computer or having conversations with calm, entirely nonviolent people who are unlikely to do it anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, Can I ask you a question, I, I, Will? Yeah, just, yes. So when you're fitting your box on before you went out to bat, yes. are you putting the frank over the beans or the frank beside the beans? Oh. Or, the frank, or are you lifting the frank up? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're folding the frank down over the beans. Uh-huh. Is the frank coming up? So, frank on top, beans on bottom, or does yeah. the frank go to the side, beans to the side? Well, okay. So, well, there's a cup part down the bottom, right? Like for yeah, those so that, who've never used one suggest- of these things. So, <laughs> what I would generally do is like hold. Frankenbeans needed to be sort of removed from like the place where, so you'd have to yeah. clear out the frankenbeans to, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to put the, the box in, right? And then you would sort of put the box in cup, cup first and then yeah. lower the beans into the cup and let the <laughs> frank fall the frank. where it may, I think was my attitude. I mean, did you have to kind of just like like Mr. Whippy style, just curl it up like a snake just on top? Doesn't so it gets a nice little snooze on top? So here's what I wanted to get to. When our high school gym coaches warned us of testicular Armageddon and get the result from letting the boys dangle unprotected, were they full of shit? Probably, says Brian, uh, someone, MD, director of the men's uh, – okay, so like a, they, fa- they found an actual e- expert in like genital mutilation. Um, oh, God. Uh, the doctor has treated some truly horrific, gory penis injuries. But when it comes to testicular trauma, at least among non-pro athletes, he insists it rarely happens. Okay. Of the 25,000 patients he treats every year, about two of those are suffering from scrotal injury. You know what's weird about that is that in my high school alone, there were two significant, three significant scrotal injuries in four years of high school. So- I don't know where at school is it. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. If you went to an all boys school like I did, he would see the incidence of scrotal trauma and injury went up way higher. Well, he talks about like I mean, he's a. If you're going to a doctor, though, this is like I mean, at school you're like somebody hurts their, their testicles, they might go to the sick bay, but they're not going to the hospital. For oh them. no, like I'm talking like serious hospitalization. I mean, oh. we've, we've, I, I, yeah, I, I, well, I, I know there's one. Again. Yeah, no, let's. Yeah, yeah it's funny, very yeah. funny though. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I won't. Use it again, but go find it. It's a funny episode. It's funny very work, funny, like. yes. Um, but then there was another guy who got kneed in the balls, like, you know, a bit of roughhousing, and he had to go to hospital and have part of his testicles removed. And then there was another kid who had a testicle, one testicle removed, mm-hmm. and for, henceforth was referred to as the one and only, which was, uh, you know, very cruel, especially when introduced him at, at assembly. Uh, I am going to – he this doctor, because he, he is asked – like what's the most you know what what are the ways that people come in with testicular trauma like what is causing testicular trauma i think this is a good you know thing to know so he lists three examples of areas where somebody might experience testicular trauma now one of them i think probably it's it, like it's it's a form of um uh it's a form of something that happens regularly where like testicular trauma wouldn't be the only trauma you'd experience if this scenario happened, it's something that both you and I like do. So it is something that, you know, like is something yeah. that we, we take our nuts into our hands every time that we apparently take part in this particular, it's a very common thing. Not just you and I do it. A lot of people do it. A lot of people. Yeah. Do. Is it uh, just, it's a, it's a, is it, is it like a, is it just a, 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 a 
Is it a necessity? Is it a daily necessity? Oh, well, so Urinating. In the country, <laughs> in the country, it's a daily necessity probably, or at least a, every couple of days necessity. And it has to do with your balls. It's something that you do and not everybody does. And you only do if you're an adult or close to being an adult, if that makes sense. Okay. Masturbate. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, again, like, think I don't of a know why to be in the country for that to be a necessity. <laughs> again, <laughs> nothing like, gets me off the quality sound of kookaburras. <laughs> kookaburras. So I'm thinking really that. Yeah, I just like people laughing at me while I do it. Anyway. I think I missed the setup to this question. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm lost. These what? are like real life scenarios. So like activities that people okay. do in their real life where there is. So for example, okay. playing cricket. Playing gardening? cricket. Yeah. So now you're more yeah. in the area. Playing cricket or gardening okay. are yes. examples of activities that could result that in testicular result trauma. In okay. Trauma. And when okay. And and, and you say it's it's something that you and I do. do you've, you may have you, you may have already done, done it today. I don't know if you have, but you may have already done it today. Oh, I can't, I'm just having trouble linking that with the people in the country. Is it um is it getting bitten by no no think is of it, it uh, it's something that people in the city and the country all do i'm just saying when you live in the country you are much more likely to do it regularly um shit ride a horse uh okay well you know what you've actually skipped to i was going to okay. leave this one for last <laughs> okay. but one of the examples is maybe a horse kicked them in the balls so apparently <laughs> that is Pretty common. So horse-related ball trauma. So we, I've got horses in the paddock at the moment. So like this has really suddenly got me alert for the safety of my testicles because there are three horses in the paddock downstairs. They are just a ball explosion waiting to go off. Um, this other thing that you can't identify um, and uh, look, You've already, you potentially, on an episode of TOEFOP, you described doing this thing where you absolutely could have, like, you know, ended up in a situation where you had testicle trauma. You didn't, okay. luckily, but you could have. And it, uh, um, oh, fuck, man. People may be listening to this podcast doing it at the at the moment. In fact, I'm sure a lot of the people who listen to this podcast do it while they're doing this activity. Oh, at the gym. Some kind of like hernia, herniating your scrotum or something like that. I mean, I imagine that would be on the list, but that is and that's not, not on it. The list. Think oh. how. I mean, uh, think about how you might get to the gym, not in your particular instance. Okay, in a car accident. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. So, uh, or there was a car accident where the steering wheel went into their nuts. What? How? Well, apparently it can happen in a car accident. Yeah, how low is you? Am I, have, I, have I got my steering wheel in the wrong place? <laughs> my steering wheel is about chest shoulder height. Am I, have, I, have I been doing this wrong the whole time? Well, I assume if there's like maybe if, if it gets jammed, I don't know. I mean, I would love if they just remodeled cars so the steering wheel was now between your thighs. You had to hold, like everyone had to drive like this. <laughs> Just like that. Just like they're like <laughs> polishing a bowling ball between their legs. Just like that. That's how you drive from now on. <laughs> it's like, mate, I'll tell you what, it would cut down on road debts. Like if you knew there was a chance, if you had a fend even a fender bend, <laughs> that thing is going to pop out and hit you in the nuts. Every male driver and potentially vulva-sensitive yeah. female drivers <laughs> would drive a lot more carefully. So um, horse in the balls, car accident where the steering wheel goes into your nuts. The third one is something that both my father and brother do regularly that I have done in my life. Um, operating something, operating something. Uh, like some kind of machinery? Yeah, some sort um, of machinery. What specific machinery? Uh, 
your your father. So two farmers do it regularly, and you yeah. and you've done it. Yes. Um, is it is it near the nut region? Is it? I mean, the car thing was a bit confusing because there's no way I would assume a steering wheel is going into anyone. Well, it's okay. I'll, it says farm equipment, heavy machinery, and farm equipment. Okay, okay, so fine, that's fine. fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. I thought I was, I was going to go specifically for like a combine harvester <laughs> right. or something. That, yeah, Whatever you do, right. don't dangle your nuts over a combine harvester. So you're getting the milky machine to suck you <laughs> off, and then one of the straps flies out. Oh, can I just tell you that I, we used to have this book as a kid growing up, and it was called the Book of losers and it was just a compilation of like news stories from the, around the world from about losers people who had unfortunate accidents and one of the stories was about a guy and i'm gonna vomit when i tell this story he uh cut keys for a living so he had one of those like key cut machines and um he he went to the hospital and they uh when they took the bandages off like he had like taped up his own balls because he confessed to them that when everyone had left the shop for the night, he used to like to press his groin up against the key cutting machine because it would vibrate and it was like the warm mm. metal and stuff. Right. But his scrotum- And the danger, <laughs> the danger, yeah. the inherent danger. got caught in the machinery of uh, the key cutting machine yeah. and tore his mm-hmm. scrotum open and flung one of his yeah. testicles across the shop. Ah! So he had to remove himself, his scrotum, tear his scrotum out of the machine and then scramble around on hands and knees to find his lost testicle, oh. which he then taped up and went to the hospital. Oh, oh my God. God. Anyway, back to scrotum trauma. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apologies to anyone listening to this. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's it, really. That's uh, So, anyway, we were answering your letter. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 40 minutes later, <laughs> we get back to Ma- Marion's letter. Um, okay, so she says, uh, just to, <laughs> I feel like people need a refresher because I've even forgotten what <laughs> yeah, she was talking so. about. Uh, okay, um, this is how magpies in the 80s were dealt with in Perth at primary school. There was a defensive magpie oh. on the girls' oval. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty sexist back then, not very PC. Okay, so this mother magpie okay. figured out if it was the girls' oval, the, the, this mother Maggie figured out. If it was the girl's oval, then it was for her too. And as such, it was where she chose to have her babies. Okay. The only problem was she chose to protect said babies, not just by swooping human children and their parents, but by actively maiming them. Okay, sorry, Marion. I'd hate to pull you up on this, but it's actually the male magpies that swoop, not the female uh, magpies. FFS. FFS. Okay. For example, one sports day in 1985, she set her beady eyes on one mum's head. She dive-bombed her from so high and so fast that by the time she made contact, her beak implanted in the Uh mum's scalp and she required stitches. Uh In the mind of the school principal, it was only a matter of time before a child lost an eye and Heron laid his quandary. Actually, we didn't think he had too much of a philosophical crisis because the next day he went out and got a gun license to shoot it. Yep. <laughs> Perth, 1985. He's an action man. I'm amazed yeah. that he even needed to go out to get a license in Perth in 1985. I can. Uh, I would have thought that was just like uh, you know, just like the that Simpsons meme. He just yells out <laughs> to the to the uh, premier of, of Western Australia. Oh, Nigel, I need to shoot a bird. All right, mate. Fair enough. I mean, if it, it was America, the teachers would already have guns. Like that's yeah, why it's exactly. a better country than ours. Uh, so he went out and got a gun and a license to shoot it. A note was sent home to all the families mm. to inform us that the Maggie had signed her own death warrant. <laughs> I mean, I'd love it if that was how the letter was yeah. worded to the parents. Well, that magpie has signed. Crossed, 
her own death, death warrant. warrant. A couple that of piggy parents have, for the love have sent a letter back. FFS, probably not the mother. <laughs> it was the mother. <laughs> uh, and not to be surprised if they were to see our principal marching out of his office with a gun in his hand and heading in the direction of the girl's oval. Not one objection was raised about the destruction of wildlife or the rampantly sexist naming of the oval. Charlie would have definitely gotten away with using his tennis racket or even a golf club back then, no questions asked. Or he could have just done what the rest of us kids did and never pass a known magpie nest without donning one's chunky yellow stack hat. I recall in the 80s where I grew up, kids would wear ice cream tubs on their heads, like the four-litre Paul's Neapolitan tubs. That was their um, magpie protection. Yeah, but uh, you see those people like in magpie areas with the, like, you know, they've got all shit out of, out of their the, helmet. The cable ties yeah. and fake eyes and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing that. No. I mean, I think I think <laughs> if I was going to end up on brown cardigan, I'd need to be one of those dudes because yeah. that's kind of that Yeah, as soon more. as you've got your Marvin the Martian meets Crown of Thorns thing that you're just riding around <laughs> the suburb in, you're already halfway to brown cardigan. Yeah. Um, Thank you for all the laughs, um, Marion and Andrew. Oh, okay, right. Sorry. I thought that maybe you're non-binary. That's why you're referring yourself as we and they, but it's because it's written from the perspective of two people, Marion and Andrew. I mean, uh, yes. Fun. We were in the same class at primary school and ended up getting married in life, perhaps bonded by mutual oh. trauma. Wow. That's amazing. I've, I've met a few people who are childhood sweethearts, and I'm always like, do you ever think that maybe <laughs> like, – Maybe you should have just, I don't know, just kind of like seen what else is out there first. Like you sort of accepted the first offer, which, you know, look, far beat from me, uh, head business negotiator of TOEFL, <laughs> to question anyone else's negotiation tactics. But the first offer, really? I mean, you lock it in early, you know, you live on that investment. There is, I think there is something about just having only known each other that, you know, like, I mean, yes, you would have that idea of what else is out there, but there's also an element of, well, neither of us have ever experienced what else is out there. You know, we have what we have together and, you know, like yeah. we've got this, you know, life that we've grown up together. I mean- Better the devil you know. And particularly, you know, if it's some of that shared life experience is what bonds you, you know, the fact that you can, you know, both go, hey, do you remember that oval with the, I mean, yeah, you still had different lives. He was there on the boys oval. You were there on the girls oval. You know, you still had your separate spaces and I hope still in your life, you still have your boys oval and your girls oval. I can actually do a nice little segue uh, into a story mm. I wanted to tell. I, I sizzled last week that I had an airport story. Oh, yes. Um, which does dovetail into um, um, childhood sweethearts. Uh, so, yes, I, I was at the airport. Uh, this week, and um, funny thing happened I, when I was going through security. Actually, this all ties into this episode's themes. So I went through security, and you know the new security um, thing now is you stand in front of that big screen, and you got to stand on the where your footholds are and hold your arms up in the big mm -hmm. kind of YMCA thing, and they do a scan of you. So is it a YMCA? Like where or, I or have gone, all the places I've been, it's more like you're sort of you're doing some old fashioned crab yeah, dance. Yeah, yeah, it's like a crab, like it's an out to the side. Okay, yeah. maybe maybe it's more yeah. of a crab dance. Well, whatever it is, and I tend to when I know I'm going to be getting on a plane, like dress as like. I, I arrive pr with all my, you know, wallet and phone and shit already in my hand, carry on and nothing in my pockets because I just want to get through security as fast as possible. And I'm wearing tracksuit pants. So I'm wearing like literally sneakers, tracksuit pants and a t-shirt, nothing else. No watch, no bracelets, nothing. Um, my stuff goes through. I stand on the thing and to beep, beep. And the guy says, sir, do you have any objects in your pockets? And I'm like, no, no, it's just tracksuit pants and t-shirt. 
And he's like, well, can you just, uh, we'll just do it again. And beep, beep, are you sure you have anything in your pockets? And I'm like, no. And he was this young guy and he was kind of, he seemed like he couldn't find the, he, he said, oh, you have something in your, your, uh, your area. And I'm like, sorry. And he's like, your area. And I'm like, I don't. And he flicked yeah. the screen around <laughs> and there was like the outline of my body. And there was a giant red exclamation mark over my groin. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like something in my groinal area is, is setting up uh-huh. the machine. And he said, do you have like any, uh, uh, like any implants? And I said, no, no, nothing. <laughs> no, no reptile. I'm sorry. When the queen died, I got a Prince Albert just in like, yeah. like out of respect, you know? It's a mourning period. So then he said, oh, you have to step back in. And it, beep, beep, and it kept going off. And I said, look, there's literally, I said, it's just like I've got underpants on and after this. And so he's gone, okay. So I stepped off the machine and he said, you have to stick your hands in your pockets. And you know that party trick that in the, like while yeah. we're talking about the 80s, your uncle at a party in the 80s might have showed you a trick of the white-eared yeah. elephant. <laughs> Are you familiar yeah. with that? Honestly, a white-eared elephant. Yeah. And now your, da- your, great- your uncle isn't allowed to come around to the house anymore. <laughs> That's right. He went away for a while. No one ever talked about where he went. So I I, he, I had to sort of do a half one, one-eared elephant. He, they wanted to see the ears but not the trunk. So I had to okay. um, open up my po- pull my pockets out, which I did, and they saw that they were empty. Mm-hmm. And then – I had to put my hands back in my pockets and kind of create some space around the groinal region, like like puff it out, yeah. like puff my pants uh, yeah. out of it. Like I guess mm-hmm. whatever was mm-hmm. setting the machine off, I needed to just realign my pants. So I then went back in, beep, 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 same spot, little exclamation mark in my groin. Is there any, is there any chance that this security machine is flirting with you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. But then the weird thing was they went from metallic object uh-huh. to – uh, we're going to have to bomb swipe you, like chemical test. Am I allowed oh, yeah. to say it on the podcast or does that still get me arrested? Can you talk about it? Can you say bomb away from an airport or is that still – am I going to be banned from getting on flights? I think you're allowed to you're, – you're referring to yeah, the right. Bureau of Meteorology. I can't even say it. That's what – meteorology. The weather people. So then um, they took me to the the chemical swipey part. <laughs> and uh, I because at first I was like – Oh, he said you're going to need to see this other guy. And I said you're not going to you're not going to strip search me. Are you? <laughs> like I'm not really. It's early. I'm not really in the mood for being strip searched. It's early. You say as if it would like oh afternoon uh, strip search away, but it's early in the morning, mate. <laughs> well, just let me just let me warm it up a bit, please. At least like just get some <laughs> some some blood down there first. Um, and they're like, no, no, but uh, we need to test you for chemicals. So, mm-hmm. and they didn't put a screen up or take me to another room. I had to. Rub my hands on my groin, right. <laughs> like where the the beep beep was going uh-huh. off, like um Michael Jackson, both hands on my groin, uh-huh. and then they swipe my hands to see if there's any chemicals, yeah. and it was like, I it was a good five seconds of rubbing. Like I would thought one wipe would be enough. So hang on, are you are your hands down your pants? No, no. <laughs> No, on the outside of my pants. <laughs> okay, so because it sounded like they made you <laughs> put my pants. Turns out I wasn't even at an airport. <laughs> I was at an SNL club. Have a rub down there, and then we'll give you a little chemical test. But like, do they think they have a bomb in your pants? Is that what they're looking for? I guess so. Or evidence of a bomb I, in your pants? I don't. I don't know how they went because I, I, I always thought the the 
the crab dance was for for metal. Mm. Maybe it scans for more than that. Maybe mm. it's just like foreign objects or something like that. Again, like not to harp on Michael Jackson, like for mm. many reasons, yes. but it's very much your Michael Jackson thriller yeah. style, <laughs> dun, dun. like hand that they make you do. Actually, so this, <laughs> yeah, could you could you now side to side like you're a dinosaur? Do that, please, and then. Yeah, Why do I have to say a- Shimon? <laughs> <laughs> they're making a homemade security tape version, scene by scene re- remake thriller. of Thriller with people who come through the machine. <laughs> so I had to like, yeah, I had to rub the outside of my groin for like a good five seconds, yeah. like like this, uh-huh. and then they swipe my hands, and it was all, it was all, yeah. it was all. It was all for nothing. Like I actually, interesting. I I I very rarely. Did you ever identify what it was that was like? Oh, oh hang on. So, were you wearing a pair of um uh, like pants that are designed by our uh, mutual friend who designs pants? No, no. Okay. Were you wearing a pair of pants that had a drawstring? Is what yes. I'm getting at, I guess. Yes. Was the j- drawstring? Tucked into your pants or like uh, hanging out the front. I, I don't know. I mean, probably. Tucked what in. would you normally do? Were you normally? Do you normally tuck it in? I normally tuck it in. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there? Did it? Did it have like little metal? All it was was just a red exclamation mark above my balls. No, I understand that, but I'm, that's not a photo of what they were seeing. That exclamation mark comes up if they like. Sometimes, if I'm wearing like a double hoodie, because you know, like I. Quite, quite like Why a double hoodie. Um, <laughs> Do you really? I've yeah. never worn a double. Who wears double? Like a like a like a big jacket. Well, hoodie that I would hoodie. be. I'd be wearing like a hoodie like this, and then I'd be wearing a jacket that also has a hood on it, yeah. right? So, like okay. you know, so then you get this like exclamation mark at the back of your neck because the machine just senses that there's too much stuff there or whatever. So that you know, so I've had those, and I've had the things in the the pockets, like, but. Like, I would have thought for the exclamation mark, there's got to be something unusual there. Is there a chance that, like, you have, like, had had something implanted in your penis, like, that you don't know about? I don't think so. I mean, Uh I mean, you know what? Like, how about this? I've been eating real clean, Mm. like, you know, no Uh impurities in my body, just like all like lean proteins and lots of veggies and stuff. But I had to do this event in Melbourne. That's why I was down there. And um, uh, I was emceeing this thing and they were bringing me food, but I didn't really have time to eat it because I was going off on and off stage. And so by the time I got back to my hotel room, I was fucking starving. It was like, you know, after mm-hmm. midnight. And I didn't want to order room service. It's going to take too long. I just opened whatever they had in the cupboard at the hotel. And they had like salt and vinegar chips and this jar of um, chocolate-covered macadamias, and I have to say, well, uh-huh. it was like the greatest fucking twosome. Like, I mean, yeah. I know that, you know, men on business trips can't be trusted. The threesome I had that yeah. night, the illicit threesome yeah. I had in my hotel room was between a bag of salt and vinegar chips. Sweet and salty. <laughs> yeah, and a jar of honey-encrusted chocolate-covered macadamias. It was fucking yeah. delicious. Um, so maybe like I don't know the impurity of you know yeah. normally my urine is like just ninety eight percent like fucking water and and no no impurities yeah. and so maybe that that's what set it off. How about that? So it was in my bladder. Yeah. All right, maybe. Are there heavy okay. metals well, in, I mean, in salt and vinegar chips? I'm not ruling it out. 
Um, okay, so all right. So what happens? Why is a childhood sweetheart got something to do with this? Okay, so then right. So uh, prior to this, about a week before, Gemma and I were talking about um, these neighbours we had when we still lived in Sydney, and like, we had this semi-detached house about fifteen years ago in Randwick, and um, the neighbours we shared a wall with had two little boys, and it was the perfect. Um, it was the perfect arrangement because we were still, you know, young and partying and, you know, having people back to our place to all hours in the morning. But they would never complain about that. And we would never complain when their kids got up at 6 a.m. and ran toys up and down the hallways on the hardwood floors. It was just like, okay, you know, you go your way, you go. And we were also friendly as well. They would mind Junior when we went away. We looked after their place when they went away. It was totally great. And then one of them, uh, the uh, the husband, got a job overseas and we sort of never saw them again. It's been like 10, 12 years. And apropos of nothing, I just sort of thought of them and was like, oh, God, they were the best neighbors. You know, like we've we've really um, had some shocker neighbors in our time, but they were the good ones. Like they are the benchmark of neighbors, you know. And I wonder if there was some way to get back in contact with them, but I couldn't really remember what their surname was. And it had been almost like 10 years since we'd last seen them. Anyway, after my ball alarm, um, I put my mask on uh, and I, uh, I get on the plane and I'm kind of annoyed because um, when they booked my ticket, they didn't use my frequent flyer number. So oh, yeah. I didn't get like a priority seating. I got like sat, mm-hmm. you know, three from the toilet right in the middle and I couldn't change it. And I was kind of like, God damn it. And so I was trying to change it, couldn't change it. Mm-hmm. So I get on the plane and I'm sitting there. Also, you're emceeing an event. The club didn't like, not, didn't get your business class fare. They didn't get you to sit up the front. Nah, fuck my mate. We are, we're, we're, we're not one of the big clubs. No, <laughs> no business class flight. Uh, and so um, uh, this dude gets on and he's like, oh, sorry, I think I'm sitting in front of you. And so he walks past. I'm like, that's, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the neighbor. And so I had my mask on though. And I said, hey, I said, is, you know, is your name Dan? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, and so I put my mask down and I was like, hey, it's me, Charlie. And he's like, ah. And so I was like, what are, what's going on? I thought you were overseas. And he's like, oh, we've just actually moved to the Gold Coast. And I was like, no shit. I said, you know, we live just in the Northern Rivers and we're neighbors. And, and we, and it was like, and so we started talking. And then I'm like, oh, I've taken yeah. the mask down. He wasn't wearing one. I've yeah. taken mine down. Now, like, what do I do? Do I put it back up? We're still like we're a centimeter apart from each other, oh. and we're talking quite animatedly. Like I don't know that this. It's not like I'm wearing an N95. It's like mm. a little piece of cloth. Is it going to be weird that I have my mask on while I'm talking to you? And is it the guy on my left isn't wearing one? He's not wearing one. I'd say that maybe two percent of the plane are wearing masks. Like, I mean, am, am I really protecting myself with this? So I didn't put it back up. I thought it would be too weird if to sit there and. I would make him feel uncomfortable by by wearing a mask. Yeah, but this is this is the whole point. Like, is that like you know we talk about whether making things mandatory makes people do them or not, and the argument's always like, well, people can make their own choices, and people will, you know, still make sensible choices if you educate them in the right way and those sort of things. But like masks on airplanes, I was on an airplane the day before when they were compulsory, and I would say that like. 80, 85% of people, some people got early on not having to wear them anymore, but like most people were still doing the right thing and wearing them. And then I flew the day that Mm. the the mask mandate came down and yeah, 2% would be generous. Myself uh, and there was one other person that I saw on the plane. The woman who was sitting next to me, she said to me, she said, would you, um, I I noticed you're wearing a mask, would you like me to wear my mask? And I'm like, look, no one else is on the plane is wearing a mask. I'm going to keep mine on and I'm, but I'd, 
don't don't feel that just because I I think that race is run, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, you know, that race is run and we absolutely lost. All I'm going to do now is just keep my mask on. Well, now, yeah. Well, it's, I actually, I mean, it, it was, I had forgotten to take a mask. I actually made a point of going to like up to the counter and getting one. And then I was like, ah. Uh, all right. I mean, I got the guy next to me. He's got the sniffles anyway. I'm, whatever, whatever he's got, yeah. I'm catching. I don't think this yeah. mask is protecting me. Well, it's anyway. It's not. It's it's not. It's not like there's you know like still thousands of cases a day and people hundreds of people are dying. <laughs> and the hospital's getting overloaded. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine, guys. Everything's fine. That's just if you ignore it, it goes yeah. away. That's just, the rule. Yeah, exactly. Don't bring it up. Hey. Uh, let's uh, let people know that if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash up. Heaps of bonus content up there, including uh, full-length videos. So if you want to see Will and I doing our airport thriller dance, uh, you can sign up to Patreon for as little as a dollar a month and access all the free content. Well, not free content. It's not free when you pay for it. All the bonus content on Patreon. <laughs> Once you pay for it, it is absolutely free. That's the good news. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and if you don't have the mu- the funds to support us, that's completely fine as well. We still want you to listen to this show. Just go to tofop.com and listen to all our great podcasts. That is absolutely for free. You can listen to them for free. But perhaps maybe uh, write us a review or, or go to our YouTube channel, Tofop TV. Uh, watch, watch and like some of our clips, share them with your friends. Just uh, promote us. Become our promoters. Be our Don Kings. Is that an is that too old a reference? <laughs> no, that's a good promotion. I like it. Okay. Um, uh, what I will say though is um, I have some other things that I need to plug, which is yeah, uh, do it. I have a, a TV show which is called Question Everything, which is on the ABC Wednesday nights um, or ABC iView because there'll be episodes up by the time uh, people are hearing this. And uh, I have a book. It's called I Am Not Fine. Thanks, and uh, it is now available. I reckon by the time you're hearing this, it's probably in bookshops everywhere. But you can pre-order it if it. It is not available yet. It would be cool if you wanted to buy it and read it. Um, yeah, do that. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another TOEFL. Mm. Oh, and you know what we'll do next week? We'll be getting back mm. into the Forgotten Project. We completely forgot to talk about it today. Okay. <laughs> we forgot the Forgotten Project. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. And I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.